Record. Okay, I just hit record. Cool. So we're all locked up. Are we? Yeah, we're ready to go. Welcome back to Final Take. This is our second episode. Yeah, number two. Number two. Can you believe like that the we... Deuce. The deuce I never want to drop. <laughs> Can you believe we got a first episode done? In the yeah. bag. And we are now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Okay. The holy trifecta of podcast listening. What the frick? So that's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. How are you tonight, I'm doing Austin? good. I took a nap. Yeah, wow. That's wonderful. That sounds really nice, actually. <laughs> that sounds great. You're like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tired. Um, that sounds great. I'm doing great. It's I'm just over this rain. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? You know? I don't like the rain. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you caring about me. Yep. I got you. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, tonight's episode, I am extremely excited for. Yes. I, extremely. I know you are. Now, uh, I'll just come out and say it. We're talking about Joker. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Though your heart is aching, smile. Mm-hmm. 2019, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips. Mm-hmm. You and I, did we see this together we, the first time we saw this? Or maybe this maybe it was no, the this, second time I went and I saw it. Yeah, yeah, the second time. Okay, so I believe the first time that I went, I saw it on IMAX. Mm-hmm. This was opening weekend. Yeah. Saw it on IMAX um, with our good friend Colin. Mm-hmm. Who probably most likely will eventually guest star on this show. Yes. Colin, we love you. You're great. Um, come guest star. Come guest on our podcast. Saw it with Colin and his friend and then decided I wanted to go again. Mm-hmm. Always like to go a second time to good movies. You and I went. Was it? I think Colin come too? Colin also came as yep. well. Yeah. Because um, he wanted to see it a second time. And then last night I rented it and I watched it for a third time. Mm. So I'm fresh. Yeah. I am fresh on the dro- on the Joker train here. I have not seen it since the second time. Okay. So, not as fresh. Now, that was probably a couple months ago. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I mean, I fantastic movie, so it yeah. stuck with you. I know it did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. General, uh, general Joker things, like I said, so directed by Todd Phillips, who also directed uh, War Dogs. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. I really like it. Have you seen War Dogs? Yeah. It's a meh. meh. Uh, okay. It was great. And then... The Hangover. He directed The Hangover, One, yes. two, and three. Yeah. The trilogy. Mm-hmm. Which, not if the, we're honest... Not the best trilogy in the world. Got, pre- got just worse mm-hmm. as it went on. Same thing. Worse. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Different setting. Too bad. Yeah. Bradley Cooper's great, though. Yeah, sure. Anyway. <laughs> he also directed Old School... One of the greatest movies of all time. I've got no comment on that. It's it's on the list of movies to see. I am I have a, a very large list of movies to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if you follow our social media accounts, which obviously you should, mm-hmm. at Final Take Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I am compiling a list of movies that I haven't seen that I need to see. So if if any listeners have any movies that I have to watch? Mm-hmm. I know after last week's episode, I caught a lot of flack for saying <laughs> that I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Which I know is is really shameful, but now it's on the list. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has any movies, throw them to, a, to, uh, to me, to us on social media. Yep. And we'll watch them. And then produced, obviously, by Todd Phillips, mm-hmm. um, Emma Tilling's Koskoff, which I'm not familiar. Again, not a film. I don't have a film degree. And she's probably cool. She's probably fantastic yeah. if she produced this movie. And then the third, which I didn't know until last night, mm. uh, produced by Bradley Cooper as well. Did you know this? I did not know this. No. Right. Are so, you sure it's this the Bradley Cooper? The Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I watched an extra on the Blu-ray I rented. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're doing like you know some like talking head like interviews. Mm. Bradley Cooper shows up on the screen, and I was just like. I don't remember him seeing him seeing him in the movie. Yeah. Like what's going on? He helped produce the movie. Okay. So can't be ashamed of that. Um that was pretty good. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. 
obviously, um, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, mm-hmm. who is awesome. Yeah. She's fantastic. I believe she was in Deadpool 2. Correct. Yes. Yeah. She's great. And she's in uh, Atlanta. With, oh, uh, yes. With Song Glover. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know the other actor's name, who's also in Atlanta. He's, he's just he, had, he like... Was, yeah, he was he's in... He's in everything his, right now. Yeah. Uh, he was in Knives Out. He was in... Uh, now I'm going to blank. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. He's in everything. Yeah. And he's fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> so, a little background on just, like, basically who made this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'll do the same thing I did last week. I'm just going to read the general, like, IMDb description of Joker. Just so we can, like, lay our base mm-hmm. of, like, what what it was designed to be. It says, In Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face-to-face with his alter ego, the Joker. Do you feel like that accurately describes the film? I don't know if it does or not. I I don't really think it does. Yeah. I think it's a little, uh, not off-putting, but I think it's a little misleading. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 68% from critics. Mm. Obviously super divided when this movie came out. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. I don't get why critics like hated on, a, on it so much. I mean, it's clearly, I mean, it's in the Oscar running. Yes. Right. So Joaquin Phoenix won... Best actor mm. at the Oscars, correct? Best, right? For? For best actor in a drama. For which movie? For Joker. The Oscars haven't gone yet. Yeah, they did. They went last week. Oh, I was not paying attention then. Yeah, they did. So he won. And he also won a bunch of, um, I believe they won Academy Awards. It's somewhere here in my notes. I just have to like scroll through the 10 pages of notes that I wrote. And I got to find the facts section. He also won, I believe the movie also won, uh, let's see, Best Original Score and Best Actor at the Golden Globes. And it was also nominated 11 times in the Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Director, Actor, Score, like all that kind of jazz. Mm. So, right, critics just like trashed the hell out of this movie. Yeah. Which I don't Mm. get. I don't get it either. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I don't know, for me, when I look at the Rotten Tomatoes stuff, I look at the audience more than I look at critics. Right. As do I. Because I I am one of the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I feel like critics, isn't it their job to review a movie based on, like, film, like, type things? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, they're not... Yeah. See? Oscars. February 9th. God... Wrong. Damn it. <laughs> we <Wait>. continue. <laughs> Again, come here if you only want the best and the fastest <laughs> news and the most accurate news regarding the state of film. Uh, I, I feel like critics, they're supposed to judge based on like really like cinematic elements, mm. not the fact that a film is too violent. Mm. What, like, you know, like some people said. Yeah, well, I think, like, critics, they look at it from, ever, like, dis- different aspects of it. They're looking at score, they're lo- looking at cinematography, they're looking at acting. They look at all the different aspects of it, and then they try to put it together, which I feel like you shouldn't always do it that way. Correct. I- I'm going to break your train of thought there. Yeah. I read my notes. Golden Globes is what I was talking about. Yeah. I was not talking about the Oscars. I was talking about the Golden Globes. Cool, cool, cool. So I'm not a dummy after all. <laughs> I agree. I think sometimes they're mis, um, misjudged mm-hmm. because of that. I I was on Rotten Tomatoes for like all of two seconds last night, mm-hmm. just gathering these scores, or the percentages, and a quote-unquote top critic named Jordan Hoffman, he's like on the front page, is like, top. it says top critic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He <laughs> He's just some random guy. <laughs> all he said about this movie is... Quote, bleak and juvenile, unquote. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to flip this table. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. I don't like you, Jordan. <laughs> oh, I don't like you at all. 
Jordan, if you're listening to this, Ethan does not like you at all. Jordan, if you're listening to this, come on the show. Let's catch some, catch some smoke on this podcast, brother. We can talk Joker. And how it is anything but juvenile. Uh, That's like the most juvenile thing someone can say. <laughs> so it's round and round, man. It just never stops. The really big thing about this movie... Before we like get into mm-hmm. the movie itself, yep. I think one of the biggest facts of this movie it is the first rated R film to gross over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. There's been a lot of rated R movies out there. <laughs> and none of them have come over a billion. Yeah. Joker did it. Yeah. That's got to say something. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it deserves every dollar of that. Yeah. Took a lot of my money. So... <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah. That's all. That, I mean, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, I mean, like, just Like, processing the film? I mean, uh, I've watched, like, Todd Phelps, like, movies before. I mean, obviously, I, I just said earlier that Old School is one of my favorite movies. Like, it, um, he is known for a comedic style of directing. And um, this is, like, I mean, if you look at War Dogs, um, it is a little bit of comedy, a little bit more serious. Um, but this is truly one of his very first, I feel like, serious movies that he's directed. Yeah. Um, which is is really interesting to watch. And then, like, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix, he's been in the gambit of different roles. So um, I feel like this does, like, his he does a good job at portraying Arthur Fleck. And yeah. being able to show the stages of mental dis figurement that um that people have yeah i think i think when it was first released that todd phillips was going to direct this movie Mm. i think he caught a lot of flack for that as well oh yeah because he is once you're known as a comedy director like Mm. that's what you should direct as comedies yeah you shouldn't venture into this type of thing Mm -hmm. and i think he proved everybody wrong yes i think so too which was great i was gonna say something else there's something else. Oh, uh, I also learned last night that while uh, Todd Phillips was writing this movie back in 2016, mm-hmm. so a three-year process, back when he was writing this movie, he basically wrote the script for Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He had told Warner Brothers, I have to have Joaquin Phoenix. Nobody else will fulfill this vision that mm-hmm. I have, which I thought was super interesting that like you're writing this entire movie for one Basically for one actor. And you hope that he does it well. Right. And you just hope that mm-hmm. he can accomplish exactly what your vision is. Yeah. Which, obviously, he did. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think that's super interesting. Yeah. At least in our opinion. He did well. Yeah, in my yeah. opinion. He yeah. did great. Let's let's talk uh, box office dollars real quick. Some I, money. I yo. love talking about the money. And look at all the money I'm making. Money, you can't money, see money. my fingers right now, but they're rubbing against each other like money. This is the the, the the international symbol for show me the money. Yeah. Right? The budget was uh, estimated 55 to $70 million, um, compared to the budget of Suicide Squad, which would have been the previous like rendition of Joker on mm-hmm. the big screen, was $175 million. This movie cost nothing to make, basically. Yeah. Is how that how is how that went. Yeah. Again, I repeat, it made over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Budget is isn't everything. Uh, as of January twenty fifth, twenty twenty, so just five days ago, mm-hmm. as we're recording this, it had grossed three hundred thirty five million in the U S. and seven hundred thirty six outside the U S. Total of one point zero seven one billion dollars. Mm-hmm. With a B. Did you... Did B? 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 Okay, yeah. got that. Wow. Crazy. Uh, and then it uh, was initially projected to open 65 to 80 million, like, on the weekend, mm. which I always think is super interesting how people, like, this is their entire job is to project what a movie is supposed to make over opening weekend. Yeah. Right? Because this is huge when it mm. comes to, like, Marvel films and Avengers and all that jazz. And if they're, you know, Star Wars projected mm. to make... 140 million yeah. over opening weekend. And if it doesn't hit this, you know, arbitrary projection that somebody said, then all of a sudden it's a failure. Yeah, it's a bust. Which makes no sense. Projected to make 65 to 80, and it made 96, becoming the largest October opening ever and the most um, profitable film in October as well. Mm. 
overtaking Venom yeah. of last of 2018, I believe. So that's exciting. I, I don't think it's very fair to judge a movie like worth anything based on its box office run yeah. or value. Right, because that doesn't... It, it might not properly demonstrate what people think of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I always think it's interesting. Yeah. I always get a kick out of that. Well, I think, too, like, looking at the, uh, the idea of Joker itself, like, we've had so many adaptations of the Joker within the past few years that I really think that with, uh, like, looking at Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. his Joker... Arguably, I mean, he's my favorite Joker of all time. Um, people seeing that and being like, will this be good? Like, right. Will this Joker live up to this Joker? Now, I think that Joaquin Phoenix did a really high job. Still doesn't beat Heath Ledger. Like, Heath, Heath Ledger, I mean, RIP, like, he did a great job. But he's up there. Yep. Like, he definitely crushed Jared Leto, like, oh. just stomped on him. Haven't even seen any of Jared Leto's Joker. That's how little I care yeah. about Jared Leto. But uh, it, I think, like, with that anticipation of this is what yep. Heath Ledger did, what are you going to do? That drove people to the theaters. Like, I like w- watching the trailers themselves, like, it looked interesting. It looked good. It looked like something that you wanted to go see, at least to me. 100% agree. I have written down here that it did 8 million views in the first three hours of trailer release. Mm -hmm. That's bonkers. People were hyped on Joker. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, if only people could do that with our podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 8 million views, listens. Get to it, people. (laughs) I will play devil's advocate for you for a second. Mm -hmm. And notice that... This is a designed to be a standalone movie, mm-hmm. not in the DC Extended Universe, mm-hmm. not in the Batman Universe, mm-hmm. right? We don't... You, when you even go see the movie, there's not even a DC logo that No appears. DC logo until post-credit, yeah. right? So, with that, with that point made, I don't believe that this version of Joker and Heath Ledger's Joker are apples to apples. Okay. I think that's fair. I think, yeah, that's all I that's a, that's <laughs> all I think on that. I think they're t- I I just think they're two different they're two different uh, adaptations. Yeah. Right of Joker. Oh yeah. Um, which you know, <clears throat> agree or disagree, I don't care because that's what I think. I just think that's what drove people to want to see it. I think that- so too. I but I I do think a lot of the quote unquote negative press mm-hmm. also drove people to want to go see it. Yeah. Because then it intrigued people like, oh, everybody's talking about this movie and how it, you know, puts a negative light on mental illness or gun Mm. violence Mm. or this, that, and the other. I want to be a part of that conversation. So I want to go see this movie. Mm. Yeah. All publicity is good publicity, right? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be it. Okay. You ready to dive in? You want to dive into the movie? Let's talk to the movie. Let's talk about the movie. So last week we were a little jumpy mm-hmm. with how we talked about it. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Transparent mm-hmm. about this podcast and how we will continue to evolve over time. This is only our second yeah. episode, right? You've never made podcasts. In- I don't know how to make a podcast at all. We're recording just straight off the computer right now. Yeah. No mics, no nothing. Gotta start because somewhere. we can't do it. We can't figure it out. <laughs> can't figure it out. We're not tech guys. Gotta start somewhere. So, where was I going with that train of thought? <laughs> where did I even start? I don't even remember. Uh, you wanted to be transparent and figure out the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. were a little choppy last time. So, this time, we are going to try and be a little bit more succinct and progressive with the way we talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. So, we plan to go Chronology. from... Chronologically, right. Um, potentially not covering everything because mm. it's a pretty packed movie. Yeah. It's an hour 50, like an hour 42, something like that. Mm. So it's pretty packed for that time frame. So we might not hit everything, but we do plan to be more chronological Yes. with how we do it. So with that in mind, um, do you want to do you want to start with like the opening scene of the movie and maybe like what you thought at first or any take that you have on that? 
it's been a couple months since I've seen the movie, so I'm going to pass this back to you. I will take it. Opening scene <laughs> of the movie. <clears throat> Basically, pretty iconic with Arthur Fleck in the mirror, putting on Joker makeup. Mm-hmm. And he does the whole, like, he forces himself to smile kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, rips his, you know, fingers out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And, like, a tear, like, drops down his, his cheek. And... You get really sad for a second. And then you figure out, right, he is then dancing on the sidewalk. And essentially, this band of children steal his sign Mm -hmm. for this store. And they go beat the crap out of him in an alleyway. Yep. And that's rough. Mm -hmm. Not great. But as an opening scene, I think it's it's great. I think it's fantastic. Mm. I did write down in my notes that when the title... Like pops up on the on the screen. Yeah, it is. It's oversized, mm. which I just, which is like the most minute thing mm. ever. But I really liked it. Yeah, like the tail of the R was like not not visible on my TV, and same with like the bottom cut of like the O mm-hmm. was like off the screen. It was so big. Yeah, which obviously was designed that way. Mm-hmm. I thought aesthetic wise, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, very pretty. Or you just didn't have a big enough TV. Or my TV <laughs> dimensions are also good. <laughs> <clears throat> could be either. It could be either or. But I thought the score from like the beginning scene in this movie really shows you how much it's going to like drive the emotion in the film. Mm-hmm. I thought. Because um, as soon as he gets beat up, you really get the first taste of like this super cello heavy score Mm. and it's super maybe not depressing but it's super like ominous Mm. and they're playing all those minor chords you know just yeah yeah those minor chords (laughs) and they just get you so i think it does a really good job in a really short amount of time just Mm. like setting the stage that was cool next big next big scene in the movie he i think it's i think it's Maybe even more stage setting than the opening scene is him talking with his social worker mm. in the beginning. I think it holds a lot of things that you can't see at face value, mm-hmm. which we'll get into later. Yeah. I think it's a really loaded scene. Yes. Right off the bat. I mean, he's just like not interested in it. Like, no. He's, yeah. Not having it. His social worker is definitely not listening to him. Mm-hmm. Just, like, asks him the same questions. He's smoking. Mm. Just, like, super disengaged. They're just both disengaged. Yeah. And so you kind of get a feel for, like, um, maybe what's going on in Arthur's mind. He's mm. very preoccupied with a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get our first taste of Live with Murray Franklin. Mm. The fantastic, renowned show with Robert De Niro as Murray Franklin. Mm. Which I think is awesome. Yes. Love it. Now, this movie is set in New York in 1981, so it does have Gotham. that vibe. Come on, Gotham. Okay. <laughs> Gotham City, 1981. Gotham. But it's outside <laughs> of the DC universe. See, this is why I don't <laughs> believe the IMDb description, because Todd Phillips himself says it's set in NYC, 1981. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So we get the first taste of... Live with Murray Franklin, mm-hmm. which is the show, and Arthur Fleck is basically having a dream about being on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, this, just, like, this fantasy of him being, like, presented on stage, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. just, like, someone that uh, that he is being welcomed onto the show. Right. So, he's basically the center of attention mm-hmm. in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murray calls him out and says, like... I wish I had a son like you. You're so fantastic for taking such good care of your mother. Mm. Yada, yada, yada. Mm. Um, Mind you, we don't know who his father is. Like, that was presented pre- like pretty early in the movie that he's living alone with his mom. With his mom. Yep. So. Yep. Living alone with his mom, who is definitely needs, like, maybe not medical help, but she needs support. Right? She can't live on her own. Yeah. Essentially is, is what's happening. She's kind of like a recluse, like just doesn't want to go out to society. Like it's yep. basically Arthur's the one that is taking care of her, providing for both of them. Yeah. Now when this is set, there in the in the very beginning we see that there is a trash strike, like garbage mm. strike. Yes. Yeah. 
which might be the first building block of how the city is starting to tumble. Mm, almost like de deteriorate. Like yeah. Just the city's is coming down. It's not a good place to live. People feel like they're just trapped in trash. Exactly. And then super rats. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. If super rats were ever real. Hey, the last movie we had rats, and this movie we have rats. Like... Oh, dude, those stupid rats. Yeah. They're just everywhere. Yeah. Can't get rid of them. Gosh. And then, um, let's see. I, I don't want to get too, like, too in the weeds with every every yeah. scene here. Um, so I think the next the next big thing is we meet Sophie, mm -hmm. played by Zazie Beetz. Yeah. And her character, she has a daughter. Mm-hmm. And Arthur holds the door open for her. Mm -hmm. Very gentleman-like yeah. of him uh, to hold the door open like that. And they meet in the elevator, and uh, Sophie motions to her head, basically a gunshot to her mm -hmm. head, and asks, you know, Arthur, like, oh, am I right? Mm -hmm. And Arthur maybe doesn't get it at first. Yeah. He thinks about it. And then he finally gets out of the elevator and she's like walking way down the hall and he like, you know, is like, hey, and like does it to himself mm. and she gets like, a, you know, a little chuckle. Yeah. Out of it. So you get your first taste of like potentially not self-harm, but, but some violence, some, you know, kind yeah. of dark violence. Like, uh, yeah, uh, like the dark humor side of it. Yeah. Oh, Arthur. Like, Yeah. Because he's trying to make her laugh. Right, and he thinks that's the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Long story short, mm -hmm. Arthur then... I mean, I guess I guess these are going forward right now would be kind of spoilers. Yeah. Right? So let's just like... Uh, let's call it spoilers right now. Yeah, we are in spoiler territory. Spoilers! Spoiler Nope. That's the wrong sound for spoiler zone. That's close. That doesn't make sense. And then no sounds. Spoiler zone. So, um, if you haven't seen this movie, it's been out for like four months. You should probably definitely watch it. Arthur... And now you can rent it, so it's not like you're incapable of watching exactly. it tomorrow. Yep. You can, you can rent it right from your TV. Uh, Arthur gets given a gun mm -hmm. by someone he works with. Yep, one of the other clowns. Yeah, one of these other clown guys gets mm -hmm. given a gun. He... For being... After he was beaten up by these random kids. Exactly. For mm -hmm. self-protection, yeah. essentially. And then fast forward to... Arthur is taking a subway home mm -hmm. from... Basically from being fired from his job mm -hmm. of being a clown because he got beat up and found out that he had a gun. Mm -hmm. and he like so, dropped it in like a hospital with like dying kids in the room. Yeah, drops it in a children's hospital. He, like, it's part of his clown act. He's like, it's a fake gun. It just, you click the trigger and it says bang. Yeah. It, no, nope, not true. People weren't buying that. No. He's on this uh, subway home and there's three drunk guys mm. and... They're kind of, like, picking on this, like, woman that's, yep. like, just sitting there minding her own business, like, like asking if she wants their fries and stuff like yep. that, and she just clearly doesn't want to interact with them. Super uncomfortable yeah. scene to begin with. Mm. And then she gets up and basically moves train cars. Mm. Arthur remains there, and he uh, has his laughing disability, right? Mm. So he has a condition where he laughs and it does not truly reflect his emotions or mm. what he's feeling, but uh, he can't help it. And so he's laughing and these guys mm. are wondering what's so funny, yada, yada, yada. Mm. I did just watch the yada, yada episode of Seinfeld earlier <laughs> today, by the way. So I'm in a big yada, yada mood. <clears throat> he starts getting beat up by these three guys mm -hmm. and he's got a gun on him. And one thing leads to another. <laughs> you can only guess what happens next. One headshot, one chest shot, and a handful of leg shots. Mm. And he murders three rich white guys. Mm -hmm. Well, like one of them is like he gets injured and starts to run away. And then basically Arthur is just following him and just like. Correct. Like will not let him get away and then murders him. Yep. And the one, the, uh, and I, I know this is actually based on a real life 
event. Yeah. This, right. That happened, subway, in New, uh, happened in New York. Yeah. I actually wrote it down. I wanted yeah. to research it. The and Subway then I, Vigilante. Subway Vigilante. Yeah. That yeah. sounds very Batman-esque. Yeah. He, uh, he shot about 14 people. Um, and like he was looked at as like a hero after it, like mm. he was protecting. Um, but then you look at the, the cause of it, the root cause, it was based off of racism. So rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the real life shooter mm. shot until his gun was out of ammunition. Yeah. Which Arthur mimics in the mm. movie. So that was interesting. And and the one big takeaway that I got from this scene was right right when the third guy starts running away, Mm. basically trying to cross train cars and and get off the train. Arthur has already killed two of of the three. Mm. For a brief second, you see him with with his gun in his left hand, Mm. and you see him hold, basically in a fluid motion, he, he pulls his gun up to his head. And then, like, and kind of hesitates for maybe half a second mm-hmm. and then pulls it back down. So he is definitely flustered. Yeah. No idea what to do. He potentially even contemplates shooting himself right mm-hmm. then and there. Yeah. Um, and is is definitely not in a mental state of understanding, like, what's going on. I, I didn't catch that the first two times I watched the movie. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if he is like you can really call him mentally stable from the very get go. I mean, uh, I mean, he. We get a quick scene that he's in a hospital. Yep. Like a brief, brief scene of it, and which then, would be Arkham Asylum. Um, but it's actually called Arkham State Hospital, in uh, in the movie. It is. Yeah, because it's not Gotham. If you know oh, what you were saying earlier, this is true. This is true. <laughs> um, Come back to bite me. <laughs> And he's just unstable throughout the whole entire thing. It's just low grade of stability. Mm-hmm. Like I agree. He's just maintaining common ground with everything. And this is like the scene where it's just like, it's his progression of his mental health being like, I'm just yep. giving up on controlling myself. Yeah. And it's definitely the first, the first time... I mean, it's it's obviously the first time he kills anybody. Yeah, that we know of. <clears throat> that we are... Okay. That, wow. That, you just blew my mind. <laughs> that is a good point. Ooh, I can't wait to, <laughs> to bring that back up later. In the theories part of the podcast. So, yeah, you can really start to see this alter ego or mm-hmm. who he is with his mask off mm-hmm. situation happen. This scene leads to i think the second most iconic scene of the movie mm. like generally iconic scene of the movie is him dancing in the bathroom yeah right so this is to some again some really really like moody cello music mm-hmm. That is just beautiful. Mm. I actually listened to it on the way over here to get in the right headspace. Oh, no. <laughs> so I came prepared. And it's it's a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. A little peel back the onion. He basically, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix knew they had to shoot the scene. They go inside this restroom. And in the script, it was written that Arthur Fleck hides his gun mm-hmm. in a vent. And tries to hide the evidence. He then washes his face of any makeup that he has on his face. And tries to go back out into society as if this never happened. Right? Todd Phillips then essentially opened the script day of, hour of, when they were in the bathroom. And said, like, yeah, I don't think that's... I don't like that. Mm-hmm. What else? Like, Joaquin, like, what do you want to do? And they're they're in the bathroom for, like, three hours. They can't figure out what, what to do. And Joaquin then basically says, like, I feel like he should dance. And Todd Phillips is like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, Mm. our composer just sent me this piece of music last night. I've been listening to it. Listen to it. Joaquin listens to it once Mm. and basically tells Todd Phillips, like, set the cameras. 
I know exactly what I'm going to do and describes it to him a little bit. Mm. And Todd Phillips just like rolls with it. And it's just like, yeah, this is like, do your thing, do whatever you want to do. And I really like that. Mm. I love how this scene basically was born incredibly naturally. Yeah. Non-scripted mm. just came out of what, whatever Joaquin felt this Arthur would do. Mm. And I love it. Well, I think, too, like, then it sets up so much more of the movie because this isn't the only time in which he dances. Like, mm-hmm. if you've seen the trailers or if you've seen the movie itself, he dances multiple times throughout the movie. It's almost just, like, his progression of his body. He's, I think of it as more of he's letting himself free. I would agree. I would agree. And as we progress further mm-hmm. into the movie, mm-hmm. you see every time... Not necessarily every time, but mm-hmm. most of the time when he either kills somebody or does something to that effect, mm-hmm. he does some kind of dance. Yeah. Right? Something very similar mm-hmm. in which he feels freed. Yeah. It, it's almost like he is in a state of relaxation at that point. I agree. Like, he, this is his comfort state, which is so weird to think about after, like... I can, I can never imagine me like, oh, yeah, I just killed a couple people. I'm comfortable now. Like, no. No idea. That, yeah, that's... He's crazy. Yeah. Wild stuff. So you start to get definitely a look into his mm. mental state. Yeah. Even, even more, right? Mm. Even more than he did. Um, we'll just keep... Just kind of keep rolling here. I'm going to I'm gonna cruise over some stuff. Mm. Goes on a date with Sophie. Mm. This happens. Let's see. He, he goes to his comedy show. After his comedy show, yeah. yes. I think that that's a good scene to bring up because, like, he goes up. Uh, he's been saying throughout the movie that he's he's a stand-up comedian. Um, so this is, like, your first opportunity to see him as a stand-up comedian. Right. Um, he's in his little local comedy club, and he starts to tell his, like, his jokes that he has written down, and it's just chirp, 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 like... No one's reacting to Brutal. these things. Um, it's really just dry and very basic. And it's like, where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. And then he tells one joke and it seems like the crowd is just in it now. Mm-hmm. And then it progresses to the date. Yeah, like right afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we see them on a date together. And uh, Arthur is... Noticeably very happy, mm-hmm. which you haven't seen him like that before yeah. in the movie. And uh, he then goes home to his mo- mother, mm-hmm. who is asleep. And then she makes a comment about him smelling like cologne. And he says, I just went on the most wonderful date. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's flying. Yeah. He's loving it. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Because mm-hmm. uh, now we get this, this huge valley of who... Uh, who he is mm-hmm. and now we just go to this mountaintop of his emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. of trying to figure out li- like who he is mm-hmm. see i think this is him riding that high of killing people oh okay i think this is him at that state of confidence like he just entered into a new era of arthur fleck sure 2.0 arthur mm-hmm. 2.0 yeah mm-hmm. so he's like this is who I'm becoming. I'm starting to figure out who I am and I feel good about myself. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think, I think his mask definitely starts, you know, to peel off Mm -hmm. uh, or fade away, if you will. And he starts figuring out who he really is Mm -hmm. and what he can really do and, um, things of that nature. Um, Let's just do we'll, do, we'll just do a couple more points before we get to kind of the climax of the movie. Yeah. I think the next, the next big issue, next big storyline in the movie mm-hmm. is Arthur um, learning about who he is and who his parents are. So we know Penny is his mom. Yep. Pretty early on, but we don't know about his dad. Correct. Right? So he... Opens a letter mm. that his mom has written to Thomas Wayne, mm. who is running for mayor. Mm. Who is also whose father? Little guy named Bruce. Mm-hmm. And Bruce becomes who later in the in his life? 
Batman. He's Batman. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the a little, right, a little Batman universe mm. tie-in, yep. I guess. So, he basically learns that Thomas Wayne mm. and his mother Penny had a thing. Mm. Back when she used to work for him. Yep. At Wayne Enterprises. And he then seeks out Thomas Wayne to mm-hmm. validate this information, right? Yeah. So, because in this letter, it's basically say, Penny's just saying, like, hey, like, we need your help. Your son needs your help. Absolutely. Like, this is indicating that Arthur is Thomas Wayne's other son, firstborn son. Yeah. And and Arthur has got to be what thirty five. Yeah. So like forty in this movie. Yeah. And it's the first time he's hearing about this, mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty earth shattering news. Mm-hmm. Goes to find Thomas Wayne, finds him at uh, basically a show. Mm-hmm. Um, sneaks in, meets him in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Essentially, just straight up tells him like, "Hey, you know, I'm Penny's son. I'm mm-hmm. Arthur Fleck. You're my dad." And Thomas Wayne just says, you're crazy. Yeah, it just calls him out. And punches him. Decks him in the dome. uh, And basically says, like, get the heck away from me. Yeah. You're not my kid. Mm -hmm. She's crazy. Yep. She has delusions. Calls Penny insane. Yeah. um, And delusional. And obviously, Arthur doesn't want to believe what Thomas says. Mm -hmm. And... So he's super confused yeah. on what's going on. You jump a little bit. This then promotes him to seek out Penny's files at mm-hmm. Arkham State Hospital. Mm-hmm. And he, he steals them. Yeah. Right? Um, un, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Immorally. Because <laughs> yes. stealing is immoral just in general. <laughs> he just is, gets the files, takes them, runs away. Yeah. Gets the files, takes them, runs away. Wants to know if he's actually adopted, like mm. Bruce Wayne's, uh, Bruce Wayne, like Thomas <laughs> Wayne says, and if his mom is actually insane. Yeah, she has files that essentially state she's crazy. Mm-hmm. That she put her son in harm. Mm-hmm. That um, that this guy that she was dating basically like locked him up and like beat him and, and beat her and beat her. But that the beating is the cause and effect of his mental disorder. Exactly. Um, and that's is why he is the way he is now. Exactly. Like the laughing, all this stuff. Right. So he reads this file and is obviously pretty shaken up about it. Mm-hmm. And realizes that he was beat as a kid mm-hmm. and is try- basically trying to put together his childhood. Yeah. Of like why he is the way he is right now. Mm-hmm. This... Uh, there, there's just one, one more big topic mm. that I wanted to talk about before we get to the climax of the movie. Yeah, that would be essentially when he finds this stuff out, he starts killing people. Mm. Right? He kills his mom. Kills Penny. Kills mm-hmm. his mom while she's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Suffocates her. Yep. Right. And what's notice- noticeable about this scene uh, is that Penny always calls him happy mm. as like a nickname yeah he finally admits to himself or owns up or admits to his mom or something mm-hmm. that he has not been happy for one second of his his entire life yeah and then proceeds to kill penny mm-hmm. and then stands by the window and the sun shines upon him mm-hmm. just basking in confidence mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a few months since I've seen the movie. Isn't this also... The previous... Right before this began, though, he realizes um, the clarity of his life of what had been happening throughout the movie? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean, the clarity? Like, he realizes that things that he thought happened weren't actually happening. Sure, yeah. That, that, that potentially some real-life instances in his life were formulated by himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, so he toys with this idea of, like, reality versus Mm non-reality and what has actually happened to him. Yeah. And and I guess why he actually has his condition or why he feels certain ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of break it out there. Yep. He realizes that the whole relationship with Sophie Mm -hmm. um, never happened. Right. So we we get a glimpse Mm -hmm. into... um, 
a flashback to the same scene mm-hmm. of him going on a date by himself mm-hmm. and sitting at his mother's bedside in the hospital by himself mm-hmm. and being at the comedy club by himself. And tanking. Yeah, just going down. No one laughs at Real him. Real hard. Yeah. Because his jokes weren't very mm. funny. Which gets filmed uh-huh. and then gets taken over to, um, like on his name, yep. his Murray team, Franklin. Murray Franklin. And Murray basically like shows this on air to everyone and just says how bad of a, like a comedian that he was just a joker. Right. Like, hey, can, we, can we just take a second to realize like how much of a dick Murray is? Right. Like he's a terrible person. Yeah. He's terrible. Like, he's so mean <laughs> to Arthur. Mm-hmm. He, I, it didn't even have to be Arthur. It could have been anybody. Yeah. He's just so vicious. Mm-hmm. Like he just takes this guy's comedy clip and like broadcasts it to the nation and is just like, yo, this guy's not funny. Mm-hmm. He should have stayed in school and should have listened to your mother and you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's like, don't follow your dreams. God. Like you're an idiot. Like, yeah. <sighs> don't like that guy. Right. So he starts going on, on this killing spree, essentially, right? Back to where we were. Well, I think we need to bring it up because the fact that he then gets invited to the show. He does. Right. Um, because like it apparently it went over well with the audience, so they wanted to bring him on the show. Which then the day of the show Day of he is preparing himself mm-hmm. in the Joker makeup exactly. and suit. And yep. then a couple of guys, like the guy with the the guy gave him the gun and like this um Yes, Randall. Yeah. Guy who provides him a mm-hmm. gun and essentially gets him fired from his mm-hmm. job yeah. for lying to his boss. Mm-hmm. Comes over to his house, mm-hmm. Randall, and another little man. Uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Yeah, I don't remember his name. But he was the purest character he in was the such, whole entire movie. He was such a nice guy, yeah. honestly. So they come over to his house. Mm-hmm. Try to, well, just, just, just really briefly. Yeah. Before this happens, mm-hmm. he goes to Sophie's apartment. Yep. And, and this is when we learn because Sophie is startled yeah. that he's in the apartment, mm-hmm. right? And that and as a viewer, that's a shock because you thought they knew each other and mm-hmm. they went on a date and they had kissed and mm-hmm. Arthur was super friendly to her. And come to find out in reality, she's startled and wants to call the cops or his mother and tells him to get out of the apartment. Mm-hmm. We see him, again, flash the gun to his hand mm-hmm. And then cutscene to him walking out of the apartment. Yeah. We don't see anything after that. Mm-hmm. Walking out of the apartment, we hear some ambulance noises, potentially for Sophie, potentially not. Oh, yeah. We're, this is we where, are unsure. This is where his mother comes in. Kills his mom. Yeah. And then night passes. These guys come over to his, his place, bring him some booze, mm-hmm. try to cheer him up. He is painting himself, uh, his face with makeup. Mm-hmm. And they ask why he's all painted and dressed up um, and said, you know, hey, I thought your mom just died. Are you, like, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm feeling fantastic. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. Feeling loose and free. Best he's ever felt. Best he's ever felt. Says that he's about, you know, that night he's going on Murray Franklin. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like it, before or we begin talking about that. Yeah. It almost seems like he he's preparing for a suicide at the time, too. 100%. Like, you just see him kind of sitting down and, like, practicing him taking the gun and putting it yep. to his head, shooting himself. Yep. So we have some intermittent, intermittent scenes mm-hmm. of, of him basically practicing how he's going to walk into the Mary Franklin show. Mm-hmm. And every time we see him do that, he puts a gun on, under his chin mm-hmm. and pretends he dies. Yep. Right? And so we assume mm. that him going on Murray Franklin, his plan is to commit suicide mm. as a guest yeah. on the show. Mm-hmm. He So he has freedom of mindset of like he doesn't feel guilty about anything that absolutely. he's going to do or will do. Yeah. He's not tied to anything. He doesn't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. He has, yeah, he's free yeah. in his mind. These guys come over. Uh, he is smoking, draws a happy face on the wall with mm. the ash of the cigarette, which is just like the dopest thing. <laughs> and then pulls a knife out of his back pocket, just goes to town on Randall. Mm-hmm. Just gets him 
probably the most, I think that is more brutal than the three killings earlier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is rough. Yeah. It, it is brutal. He's just covered in blood. Blood is just kind of everywhere. The other guy that they were with, he's mm-hmm. even covered in blood. It's everywhere. Yeah. Randall's a huge dude. Mm. He's probably like 300 pounds. Like, he's like six. six. Like he's a massive Yeah, guy. he's a tall guy. Yeah. Tall guy. Big guy. Just covered in blood. And Arthur kills him. Mm-hmm. And just sits there. And right after he kills him, asks... Oh God, I'm blanking on yeah. him. Asks the other guy, you know, Hey, do you watch Live with Murray Franklin? Because I'm going to mm-hmm. be on that show tonight. Mm-hmm. And we get a sense of, right, his entire freedom and confidence because he clicks so fast from this murder that he just committed mm. to I'm going to be on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah. Which is like a lifelong dream of his. Mm. Clicks just like that. The um, little person. Probably like the most comedic relief scene. Absolutely. It, like it was necessary, but it felt exactly so bad where at where the I was same going. time. Okay, his name is Gary. Sorry. Okay. So Gary goes to leave the mm. apartment. And he's a little person. And he's a little man. He cannot reach the deadlock on Mm -hmm. the door. Yeah. And it is the funniest slash most awkward scene. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. (laughs) No, the tension is is incredibly palpable. It's crazy. Because Arthur's sitting in this corner covered in blood. Just killed somebody. So obviously he can kill. Yeah. Gary's trying to get out of this house because Arthur's gonna let him go. Yeah, like Arthur said, yeah, you can leave. Yeah, and and then he and then Gary gets to the door and then he turns to Arthur and basically says, "Hey, Arthur, can you get the lock for me?" <laughs> and Arthur looks up and is like, "Yeah, for sure, Gary." And just what? Just goes and gets the lock. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes, "Hey, Gary!" Like as as he's like walking out the door, he goes like, he's like, "Hey, Gary." And Gary's like, yeah, Arthur. And, and he has an accent, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, Arthur. And Arthur's like, you were the only person who was nice to me at my last job. Mm-hmm. And then, and I watched this with subtitles last night. So I, you know, kind of catch some words that you can't normally yeah. hear. And right after that, Arthur goes, skedaddle. And like kind of waves him <laughs> out of the door. It's the funniest thing. The funniest yeah. thing. Uh, it's just... I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, movie-wise, that scene is is so loaded. Mm-hmm. That it, it needed that, ten, that that tension to be cut right there. 100%. Like, it would have been too much if they had yeah. left it and then maybe even killed Gary. Like, yeah. It would have been too much. Yeah. And we, as the viewer, get brought brought back down mm-hmm. because of something that's funny. Mm-hmm. Or, or, right, takes your mind off of exactly what just happened. Yeah. We get brought down and then we realize... Okay, this just happened. Mm. Arthur is officially f- flipped. Yeah. If he wasn't already earlier, mm. he is a killer. Yeah. Like, he just does this, mm-hmm. which is, is wild. Um, and then the most iconic scene, I won't spend a lot of time on it, mm-hmm. dancing down the stairs. Yeah. Is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It, it's just, he's freed. It is a moment of freedom for him. And this is the first time we see him in... Full Joker attire, mm-hmm. right? His suit. Yep. Make and d- dyed hair. Dyed his hair, which is a beautiful scene. Mm. Just really, like, really fun to watch. He has taken over the persona of the yeah. Joker. Or Joker at that point. Hundred percent. He is. He is now Joker. He is getting ch- chased by a couple cops. Mm. Goes in the subway. Goes in the subway. There's, happens to be a riot, or not riot, but like a protest mm-hmm. at that time mm-hmm. um, for the killings. Uh, I mean, not like it's based off the killings. Yeah. There's just been this building tension the within subway the killings. city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they use the Joker as a means of vigilante because he was the underclass that um, killed the upper class because there's just this tension between the two that's just been rising and rising and rising and with trash everywhere, super rats everywhere, all this stuff has just been building up to this this thing and he becomes a symbol of of the little guy standing up to the big guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Unintentionally or not, Mm -hmm. he becomes the symbol. I I don't even think it was intentional on his behalf. Mm Mm-hmm. It just became a thing. Yeah. 
It's just who who he became. Mm. So he became um, this this symbol for something that he had no intention for. Absolutely. So he um, we kind of reached the climax of the movie mm-hmm. and the big payoff mm-hmm. of who Arthur has become mm-hmm. and learning everything about him. Right. He is a guest on the Murray Murray Franklin show, live with Murray Franklin. Mm. And again, Robert De Niro. Yeah. Great as mm. Murray Franklin. The worst. <laughs> Terrible. But, but great. Yeah. And he gets introduced as Joker, mm-hmm. comes on out, and definitely like, I don't think it's stage fright. I think it's him no. fully soaking in where he's at, mm-hmm. maybe. He's, he's taking in like he is in front of everyone. Exactly. So he has everybody's attention. Yeah. Yep. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Murray asked him to do some jokes. He does some really bad jokes. Like just crude. Like they're not fitting. Really off color. Right at that moment. Because the, obviously the, the protests were happening and the murders. And they are just like, they were just jokes about murder and like. Right. Like so I believe one of them was, was you know, knock, knock. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who's there? Um, the cops just called. Mm. Your son just got hit by a drunk driver and now he's dead. Yeah. And that's the joke. Yeah. Which, right, if I'm watching a TV show, that's super screwed up. <laughs> but in this instance of the movie, yeah, you are, I'm not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. That is 100% who he is yeah. in his mind. What he thinks is funny, mm-hmm. right? He continues to talk to, talk to Murray Franklin, mm-hmm. and the show goes on, and he confesses to murdering the people on the subway, mm-hmm. murdering the three guys, and he he confesses to doing it, and so Murray questions him some more, and you can definitely see his, his persona is fully evolved. Mm-hmm. He is exactly who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And he then, right, asks, asks Murray, what do you get? Uh, let's see, I, I wrote it down here, and I don't want to mess it up. Do you remember what it was? I don't know. Well, I can't find it. What do you get when you cross a, uh, something to the effect of, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill person with a society who doesn't care about him? Mm. Which I think is an incredibly profound line mm. in the movie. If you want to talk realism mm. and a theme of the movie and what it stands for, or, or to that effect, and he basically says, "You get what you fucking deserve," mm-hmm. and he pulls the gun on Murray and just kills him right Head, on the, live TV. Headshot live yeah. TV blows his brains out. Mm. First time I saw this movie. <laughs> just absolutely shocked. Yeah, hundred percent shocked. I had no clue it was coming. I I had an idea that that was coming in the movie just because um, there there was a real life um, scenario where like someone killed themselves on like not killed themselves but yeah they killed themselves on air. Yep. And that's where I thought like oh that's what's gonna be happening here. Hundred percent. But. I just had that feeling that it wasn't going to be Arthur would because like that would just be too perfect of a setup. Exactly. I knew that he wouldn't have killed himself. He would have killed someone else. Yeah. Like it, it felt like that was what the progression was going to go to. Sure. I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. see it coming. I just didn't. Mm. And I think the shock value, the shock value was, was just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And so it, it looks like this is going to be a two parter. Yeah. Joker podcast just as an FYI <laughs> on the fly here. Um, so, so for the sake of time for part one, um, we'll just kind of wrap up the movie mm-hmm. and then part two, it really, what we've been building to all night. We're talking theories. Yeah. Talking theories, not joke. So, so to, to, to wrap it up, right. We've got the aftermath, full chaos in Gotham city mm-hmm. city is, is, has gone bonkers. People are rioting mm-hmm. and, you know, burning cars and bashing in cars and businesses and looting and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's being take, taken, Arthur is being taken away in a cop car. Yep. Which then gets smashed into. He gets carried out by a couple people mm-hmm. and he survives and he is then met with chance from 
the rioters. Yeah. Um, telling him to get up. Mm-hmm. Get up. You can do it. Get up. He gets up and he looks around and he realizes this is what he's created. Mm-hmm. And then we get another pretty iconic scene of him wiping blood on his face to form a smile. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is pretty intense. Yeah. And he realizes this is exactly what he's created because mm. he doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't stand for anything. And he likes chaos. Yeah. And yeah. Then he starts dancing. He starts dancing. On Ultimate the, freedom. On top of the cop, cop car. Yep. Ultimate freedom. Mm. I think that's just symbolism right there. Like he has overcome the government. Of, 100%. Overcome the society of what's happening. 100%. I mean, he's dancing on a cop car. Yeah. Like a symbol of hope and freedom, like hope and protection and stuff like that. And just saying, yep. I look what I've done. Yep. I'm better than what the city yeah. can give you. But then also, irony, irony in there's also something else that's happened because I'm a Batman fan. Correct. So this is also the scene in which um, Thomas Wayne and I forget, I think his I'm, wife. Yeah, I'm Martha. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Martha too, so maybe yeah. that's right. Uh, because that was what the name was that connected Batman and Superman in Batman versus Superman. Ooh, so uh, throwback. Yeah, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but that uh, they come out of the movie theater with Bruce. They go into an alleyway while this riot is happening, and then a guy in a Joker mask. Um, not Arthur Fleck. Not Arthur Fleck in a Joker mask. Pulls him aside, puts a gun to him, kills both Thomas and Martha, and leave Bruce. So essentially, the Joker riot is what made Batman, which is huge in terms of the, the chronicles of Batman because that's never been conf- like that's never been the case. Sure. So, yeah. Which which leads like, to even more questions Mm -hmm. about Arthur Fleck himself yeah are we is he the Joker Mm -hmm. that we know Mm -hmm. is he an idol Mm -hmm. who's who created the Mm -hmm. Joker out of this chaos and riot is he like you said this this symbol for somebody to become the Joker Mm -hmm. what's his role in all of this which we can talk about in part two part two uh, and then the last week we, we black out and the very last scene that we see, Arthur is in Arkham State Hospital. Mm-hmm. No makeup, no green hair, some stubble, looking a little aged mm-hmm. um, from, you know, I'd say just weeks probably from what we just saw and talking with his person. Now his uh, therapist within the hospital. Who looks eerily similar to his social worker mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film. And he's laughing, and she says, what's so funny? And he says, oh, it's a joke. You wouldn't get it. And then he begins to sing That's Life, mm-hmm. which is the theme song of Live with Murray Franklin. Yep. And he starts to sing it, and we see him skip off down a hallway with some blood on his shoes. Mm-hmm. And we get this very beautiful text of the end. Mm-hmm. And the end, and and the song, yep. Then finishes, and the movie is done. Yeah, and I loved it. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, so so right. So thoughts on the movie as a whole. That that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um. um let's let's um, let's wrap up this week's. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a lot more about theories and what's happening in the second one, just yep. because. It's so much. It's so heavy. Mm-hmm. So part two will be next week. Mm-hmm. So come back and listen. Yep. Obviously subscribe on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can find us on social at Final Take Pod, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, next week we'll be talking basically theories to this movie, of yeah. which there are several, mm-hmm. several, several Ideas, thoughts, theories of what what it is that we just watched. Yeah. Essentially. Um, we'll give our final take on the movie as a mm. whole um, on our 
very unique and personal rating scale. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. Which which you, you may already know <laughs> where I sit on this scale for this movie. And then we will wrap up next week's episode with some things that we're excited coming to the box office yep. in February. Yep. Which generally not a great box office month. Nope. But there's a couple movies, so hopefully yep. hopefully there's some silver linings in uh in some not so cloudy or some pretty cloudy skies, it yeah. looks like. Yeah, it looks like. But I'm hoping so. Yeah. So we'll tackle all that next week mm. on um part two of of Joker. Yep. Podcast. Um so we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. That was part of our final take. That's our final take. <laughs> Later.